Hi, everybody. Welcome to a very special Prog Report Top 5 episode. Uh, we've been wanting to do something like this for a long time um, because obviously we're heavily in the prog rock world and all the artists that you know and love. And uh, But we've been trying to, to branch out and bring in artists that we think you would like. And one of the first uh, bands that was recommended that we should do something about is Deep Purple because everybody obviously loves that band. Uh, whether you're a prog fan, a rock fan, a metal fan, um, who doesn't love Deep Purple? And um, there's a, there is a great tie-in with the prog community with our special guest here. So I'm really happy to welcome Mr. Steve Morse. Hey, hello everybody. And yeah, I'm I'm proof that uh, Purple is not totally traditional British. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yeah. No, I mean it's it's very cool because. Uh, you know what? I was thinking about it, and uh, you were the reason I got into some of these bands to begin with. And I don't want to get into that, but first, of course, let me introduce uh, Jeff Bailey, who everybody knows and loves. Well, they certainly know me. Hey. I don't know whether they all love <laughs> hey. me, but... Um... Hey. hey, Jeff. Hi, Hi Steve. Great, How are you? Great job as moderator on the, the Morse, Morse Fest. Yes, indeed. Uh, fortunately, it's it's virtual this year, so I'll not be. I, I don't have that gig this year. But hey, lots of people don't have their regular gig this year, so that's just yeah. the way it's going. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I got into Deep Purple. I mean, I'd known about the band, and I had I had some of the records, and and obviously, who doesn't grow up knowing Smoke on the Water and all and all the hits, but. I think the first actual CD I bought was Perpendicular because I heard you were now in the band at the time. And so that began that. And then, of course, when you were in Kansas with Power and, and, and all of that, was I was really young, and that was the first Kansas album I owned. So it's all your fault that I like these <laughs> bands. That's great. Great to hear. Great to hear. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I mean, do, people get attached to what they hear in their teenage years, I think that that really sticks with them for life as, as part of the memories, you know, it conjures up memories of, of real formative parts of their lives. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I want to first, before we get into the top five Deep Purple songs, which uh, is going to be a lot of fun for us to do, um, you know, I want to ask you about what's been going on in your world. Of course, everybody's suffering from not being able to tour. I know Deep Purple had a new album that was going to be released and I think has been pushed back. So um, you know, what's, what's been going on with you for the last few months? Have you been handling everything? Well, I actually came back from a gig with Deep Purple and it turns out that was our gig for 2020 hmm. one <laughs> show. Wow. Hmm. That's and amazing. I came back from that and went into isolation for two weeks from my family because, you know, everything I was told and, you know, we're all learning how yeah. little we know about this virus and the way it spreads and the way it lives and whether it's going to come back and all that stuff. So at the time it was, you know, I was, I was going to pretty much like shoot everybody in my family with a machine gun if I just walked inside the house. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So I stopped and got something to eat on the way back. Knowing I was going to the ice station, but in Mexico I was able to buy a little bit of uh, supplies 
So I had two rolls of toilet paper and, <laughs> and uh, hand spray, you know, the sanitizer spray. And so I was spraying the money that I was giving the guy at the, the <laughs> drive through And he was kind of like freaking out about that. I said, look, I mean, you never know. Right. Just let it, let it dry and then put it in the drawer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I didn't know if, I didn't know if I had it or what. You sure. Know? So anyway, I, I go into, into isolation for two weeks. Not, I mean, we, we have a, an RV. So, so I, I lived in the motorhome. I, I just pulled it out and, and hooked it up to some electricity. And I was, and it was, it was kind of neat in a way, you know, just going through the, the changing your perspective exercise. And yeah. I, it's something that's important for people to do. And that's, that's why we take vacations because vacations can be just as stressful as normal working life. If you have a family and you've got to make you got to catch flights and all that stuff and figure out, you know, where, where the rental car places and wait in the line and all the stuff that you end up doing can be just as stressful, but it feels different. You know, it feels like a change and that's what people crave. So it was a change for sure. And I've, I've, I've caught up on a lot of things that, that have been put off by constantly being touring or writing or recording or whatever. So that's been really cool. And for the first time ever that I can remember, I can say to my son, hey, let's plan something in July. Like, mm. that's unheard of. I've never been able to plan anything because mm. it's all been planned for me. Yeah, And there's yeah. usually just not enough time to, to, to do anything except, you know, pretend like we're having a, a relaxing time while I'm looking at my watch saying, boy, I got to get this done and this done and this done before I catch the plane, you know, to Europe. Yeah. So, so it, it's, it's been really neat to sort of get a glimpse of what it's like, you know, to have no income and have time, have, you know, have time and no money. And, and I've enjoyed, you know, working on things and fixing things, trying to avoid going to the store to get parts. And, you know, mm -hmm. making, making do with, with what I got and, and, you know, getting better at, at, you know, more repair oriented things rather than replacing oriented things. Yeah. So uh, Steve, there's, there's a, a new Deep Purple album already recorded. Um, the last one, when it came out, uh, there was a certain amount of maybe hinting that, uh, that might be sort of the last or whatever, but another one comes along. Uh, what, what sort of happened in terms of um, that resulted in a new album coming out? Well, Purple is 80% British and the British element of Purple obviously came from some kind of alien civilization that took over <laughs> human form. <laughs> and so in about another 150 years or so, I think they will finally be finished touring and recording. <laughs> Obviously, I won't be. I, I came from humans, so <laughs> I won't be there to see it. But I, I really want to be there to, to, you know, finish up with my brothers. I don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah. They, they really, really love 
staying in the recording touring cycle. And having been out of it for so long, you know, I can say I, I do miss it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys have been a touring machine now for years since since you joined the band. And, and uh, uh, it seems to be non nonstop. I mean, it's um, I know you have other bands and other projects, Fine Colors being one. And yeah, and that always seems to be the thing where, well, Steve's with Deep Purple. So we have to wait until he has a, a weekend to off yeah. or something. I know. And while I was in isolation, I said, all right, guys, I can finally do gigs. <laughs> right. has and this, wouldn't you know, Flying Colors doesn't want to go out, you know. <laughs> has this, uh, has this uh, you know, inspired you at all to, uh, you know, record uh, some, some other, you know, Steve Morse band music or other stuff or, you know, writing at home? I'll, you know, there's been a lot of artists that have done that. Well, I'm home now. I'll write an album, you know, that type of thing. Is that, has that at all come into play? Yeah, somewhat, but I never stopped. I never stopped doing that. And I basically um, keep the same ratio of, you know, work outside during the day and uh, come in at night, have family time. And then when everyone's asleep, I work on the music. I've kept that same schedule. And so that hasn't changed much for me. But one thing that has changed is the time I have available to work on music has gotten less because the email uh, is now an onslaught. Like, all oh, my friends are bored and not working. So <laughs> there's more, seriously, there's more. And, and they're sending me, you know, the, the, the music they're working on. And, and you know, I'm, I'm getting involved in little, uh, little, little projects with them. But, but just the sheer amount of stuff for me to listen to and keep up with and respond to is, is more than I've, I've ever had in my life. Yeah. No, I'm finding the same thing. Sure. Cause, uh, I generally work from home also anyway. And, uh, but now that with the kids being home all the time, because uh, you know, no school, no summer camp and things going on, there's, I have about three fourths less time, even though I'm my, my routine really hasn't changed. I'm home, but there's no time to do anything. It's really hard, really challenging. Yeah, I've never been as busy as I have since I started not making money. <laughs> that's the best. That's a quote from this podcast that we should pull out. Totally. Um, all right, listen, let's go ahead and get started because I, I want to see where this goes and, and what you might pick and, and what we'll pick. It'll certainly be all over the place. I mean, there's multiple eras and lineups and, and everything is in play here. Um, you know, whatever. We didn't discuss our choices as we never do. Um, so... Uh, Steve, I want to give you the first uh, pick for, so what we do is we count them down from five, four, three, two, one, and, and we'll go sort of in turns. So um, if you want to talk about your number five uh, Deep Purple song, we'll get it started there. Okay. Well, I, I didn't put them in order, but I would say, how about let's, let's, uh, it's number five, let's put Hush. When I joined the, when I joined the band, or when I was going to do a trial period of four shows with the band, I was just as worried about them as they were worried about me. <laughs> so we just agreed to do four shows and, and no promises, no regrets. Right. When I listened to the tapes, I was like, I don't know, this doesn't really sound as much like Deep Purple as I, as I would have imagined. Being an American, 
our version of Deep Purple, we had we had different songs. And mm-hmm. in Europe, they never stopped touring for very long and emphasize different tunes in in the, you know, Roger Glover, Ian Gillen version of the band. Mm-hmm. So I first thing I did when I got, well, the first day we met, it was wonderful. We just jammed. And after the jam, before we even practiced the songs, it was, we were slapping each other on the back and laughing. It was, it was fun because, you know, John Lord was, was like a jazz keyboard player. He could hear yeah. whatever I was doing. And, well, he was like Neil Morse <laughs> or Don <laughs> Airy. Now, I've, I've been super spoiled by having such incredible keyboard players sure. in my life. Yeah. So anyway, I was saying, look, I know Ian didn't sing this song on the way it was originally done, but it was a cover tune anyway for Deep Purple. Mm-hmm. It's the song is a party. Hmm. And it's something that's it's it was just a all around good feeling, fun hit song in the US. We really need to do it in the shows. And there was oh. this long standing yeah, long. So they hush. hadn't. They weren't yeah. playing it at the time. They, they hadn't were done hinting it for at a long hinting, time. Yeah, they were hinting at it and doing little bits of it. I said, let's just do the tune. Let's let's make it an event. It's a great feel. And and you know, John Lord, the way he would do that kind of percussion uh, mm-hmm. vamping with you know with the the percussion stops uh, pulled on the Hammond mm-hmm. and it just kind of slapping at the keys. To, to create a rhythm that kind of jungle beat it was yeah it yeah. just works great yeah so anyway i was after it was it was like in the simpsons where bart keeps asking for something can i have this no 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 can i have this all right all right so finally finally we did it and everybody sort of agreed okay yeah that this works great and so that we kept cool. it in, in the set. So it was a big victory. <laughs> a small step for me, but a big victory for <laughs> audiences to to have the band acknowledge a song that was outside the recording entity that was on stage. I need the love and the night not to play now. I got early in the morning. I got late in the evening. I will want that need it. Oh, I gotta get it. You know, that happens with, with the bands that have different lineups. Sticks, uh, you know, just yeah. added Mr. Roboto into the set after like 30 years. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's everybody's favorite song by the band. And it goes <laughs> over amazingly well. So, no, that's cool. And Hush is awesome. Great, great song. Uh, Jeff, you want to go with your pick? Yep, yeah, sure. I mean, my I, I I struggle with putting them in order as well, so I'm just going quite free form here. Um, but to, um, earlier on, Steve talked about how the music that you hear in your teens sort of stays with you. Um, I think I first heard Deep Deep Purple before before my teens, um, probably when I was nine or ten, and I think at that age, probably a lot of people would say, you know, the music you heard was um from brothers i didn't have an older brother but my friend did and he was the guy who introduced us to um all sorts of music and uh 
they had an uncle who used to own a guitar store and they had made these um sort of not even air guitars because it was a piece of plywood with a large glossy picture of a guitar stuck onto it and we used to go around and uh rock out with our uh, plywood guitars in their room and then remember that his brother had it was a compilation called 24 karat purple um and it had kind of a selection of things and um so I th- this for me the starting point of deep purple was that and the track on that i've picked is child and time um not actually a massively guitar heavy track but um I think it it just has so much in terms of the dynamics of the song, um, you know, the very, very quiet beginning right through to the kind of cacophonous ending. Um, It's a complete workout for um, Ian Gillen's voice. Um, I remember um, my grandfather used to have an organ in his house and Actually, it's pretty much all in the white keys. And one day I sat down and figured out how to play it. And that was quite cool. Um, And then I actually saw John Lord did some shows in Dublin, I think must have been in the early 2000s. And um, I had the chance to see him do this um, with an orchestra. And I think it was Steve Balsamo um, singing with him. So that's a kind of a, that was a fantastic night. Of, of music and I suppose this song really is kind of ingrained in my top five um, because of that If you've been bad Lord I bet you have And you've not been hit You've not been hit by flying love. You'd better close your eyes is that is that I don't I don't think in recent years the bands of band have played that a lot, Steve, have they? No. When I joined we did it was in the set list and I really enjoyed the way it built up. And it, it was it was sort of a signature of John Lord as well, mm. you know, because it kind of started with his, his, uh, well, his theme. Yeah. Don't, 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 that, and he would noodle around with that and improvise over that. And then we'd have a jam section in the middle. And I love the very end where Ian said was at its top range of his voice mm. in singing in, in falsetto. And, and I would harmonize. The, you know, on the high part of the guitar with him, so it sounded mm-hmm. like two people screaming together. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I I loved it, but it it was, you know, really, really hard on his voice to, yeah. to do that. Yeah, sure. That's and a long that, long song and a good ten minutes on that one too. Yeah, the only time he ever lost his voice on a tour was when we were doing that mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's cool all right i'm gonna jump in um so my number five um so i'm, I'm I, this may be a controversial pick i don't know it's it's sort of an off way off the beaten path i think a little bit um but it's a song that i always remembered uh, it was one of the first deep purple songs i can remember we had we had the record when I was growing up and um, I was actually a fan of rainbow. I remember I had, I had the, uh, 
uh, Stone Cold album, whatever that one was called. And um, so this is from the one album with Joe Lynn Turner as singer, Slaves and Masters. And I'm going to pick King of Dreams, which is the opening track on that album. And uh, I, it's, I know it's nothing you guys play or, or would expect to play or anything like that. But um, just always a, a very cool song. I thought the production, it was really cool. The uh, the chorus in it is is just really hooky, memorable. And I actually hear it on like serious XM classic rock from time to time, um, which is kind of neat. Um, I know that album isn't considered one of the great Deep Purple albums. I love I, I actually think it's a pretty great album. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's my pick. Really, I know it's a strange one, but I had to throw it in there to be, uh, you know, just to give it a shout. Oh, so. Cool. I have a piece of paper in front of me and written on it says Roy will pick um, King of Dreams. <laughs> <laughs> and, I must I have mentioned it to you before, I'm sure. No, no, you never have. But Seriously? But again, no, but you never have. But so I, you know I kinda, me by now. I kind of know that. And, and you're a bit like me in terms of the, the stuff that you probably, you know, it was probably amongst the first stuff that you heard of the band. I'm, I'm a little yeah. bit older than you. And um, so, so, so that's how people connect this stuff. Well, that you know, was I mean, 1990 when it came out. I was 15. So there, there you go, which is what you were saying. Steve. Titles with with bands always have some kind of inside joke or, or some kind of double meaning. Mm-hmm. And slaves and masters, you know, in, in a recording studio, the only way you could get more than twenty four tracks was to have a synchronizing uh, unit with two tape machines. Yeah, and one tape machine would be the master, and would. The, the 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 slave machine had to follow the mm-hmm. the master machine, you know, with with the synchronizing device, and and it would be the one the 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 slave would have to adjust the capstan speed, mm-hmm. you know, oh. using using the electronics to 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 get perfectly in sync. So when you do it did a punch in, if you were uh, say fixing a part. And, and you want to replace or change a part on track uh, 32, for instance, you'd be on the slave reel. And so to punch in, you'd have to, you know, start like 10 or 15 seconds before to give it time to, to for the machines to sync up. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just one of the little things I would think about if we were on a, on a thing like that would be, hey, is there any way you can bounce this so I could be on the, <laughs> just on the master reel because it was just so much quicker <laughs> right. to, to to work off that you know if, if you're doing funny. solo or something he's like all right i think that was a good, good take let's go can you you know punch me in for that that uh third phrase just the first <laughs> half of the third phrase and and it could be so quick and easy with uh um you know if you were on the master reel and i even went so far as to make a foot pedal in my own studio so i could punch myself in and mm. you know how, that's how i did all my recording hands free 
that's yeah, so hands-free, cool. exactly. Nice. Yeah, yeah the first cool. hands-free device. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, uh, round one, we've, we've gone through. Uh, Steve, let's go back to you uh, for your number four. Okay, I think we did, well, for many years, we did a song called Hard Loving Man. And it's just a groove, you know, just a a hard, uh, it's got that galloping guitar part, that that kind of uh, uh, repetitive, uh, high energy rhythm part going through it. Mm-hmm. And, we, you know, we, we did a bunch of shows where we started with that. And it, it was just a blast of you know, great energy piece. And, you know, they're, the guys are great about, you know, let me have room to do a solo. Right. And, and on that one, I did one solo portion, you know, a lot like Richie did it. And I used a, a harmonizer a preset to, to give a second part, a third away. So, so I could kind of, you know, when he overdubbed two guitars doing in part of that solo, mm-hmm. I just thought it was just a neat thing to do. Yeah. And, you know, just just high energy, great live track. At the time, when you were going back in uh, in the beginning and w- when you were at the band and learning some of the older material maybe that you hadn't known before, you're learning mm-hmm. Richie's parts. Um, is there anything interesting that you found in, in his playing that was, you know, different than yours or you had to modify how you did certain things to, to sort of sound the same? Well, I think part of them having me in the band was to purposely not sound like the band is re- reproducing him right. replacing him but but you know kind of have an, another chapter mm-hmm. however being that I've you know I've, I've been in other bands like in Kansas where I ended up effectively replacing somebody even though that was not my intention uh, yeah. and, and with, with a cover band, you, you try to recreate the tune the best you can and still have it be fun to play. Cause if it's not yeah. fun to play, that reflects to the audience that you're just, you know, a robot up there and, and, you know, you're there for a job and you can't wait to get home. And I want, I want to, I want to be fully invested in everything I play. And find a way to really love it and and make part of it mine. So I've had to, you know, try and find ways to cover his parts, and at the same time, you know, feel like I have some freedom. So I always try to adopt something about his 
approach or style or or part mm-hmm. it as as he recorded it and richard very very free and fluid player soloing wise so it's it's kind of difficult to to uh imitate his style however you know i grew up by hearing that that you know that huge vibrato he would do with with the whammy bar mm-hmm. and you know in that kind of you know uh frenetic pace of the vibrato and it you know, adds a lot of energy and emphasis to stuff so sometimes sometimes i throw that in when on songs where he did it hmm. and when he's re- really uh sort of fluid and playing linear phrases i would i would kind of approach it that way but i would never almost mm-hmm. never trying to cop his exact licks unless yeah. it was a particularly melodic part. And uh, as we get to another tune <laughs> in the okay. list, I'll tell you. Right. <laughs> okay. All right, Jeff, let's move on to your number four. Okay. My number four, we we've dealt into dealt into lots of areas of the, of the vocalists in deep purple. So I, I felt I wanted to pick one from the David Coverdale era. And um, for me, uh, burn, was always the standout track. Um, so obviously, you know, the, the the end of an era, they replace singer and a bass player with um, two absolutely great singers in David Coverdale and Glenn Hughes. And this song um, gives them both a showcase and it's, you know, a classic Richie uh, Blackmore riff. I mean, it's probably something we'll talk about later, but a little bit about what you're saying. The, the thing that I used to love about Deep Purple was that for a lot of the parts, the riff, the actual, the main riff was actually quite easy to play, you know, Smoke in the Water, Black Knight, you know, it, it didn't require you to be, you know, a massively competent guitar player, which I still am not and definitely wasn't when I was 10. Um, so for my 11th birthday, when I got my blonde uh, Japanese Fender Strat copy, um, and wholeheartedly wanted to be Richie Blackmore, I could play some of these things um, straight off. And again, Burn, uh, you know, it's it's a sort of that nearly open string or, or kind of open chord um, riff that's actually quite easy to play. But then it goes into the, you know, the the little classical section, the John yeah. Lord sort of, There's where's that kind of com- complexity? And I suppose the sort of things that, musically were interesting to me and kind of that maybe started to draw me in the direction of, you know, some of the prog stuff, you know, John Lord always, he, he was a blues player, but he also, you know, could compete with, uh, you know, Emerson and Wakeman and, and, and those other guys, even though probably in, in the world of prog, he hasn't thought of in the same way. Um, so I, I just think Burns, uh, a really, really, great powerful rock track and um, yeah definitely one of my favorites that's a great song yeah I think Sons of Apollo played that on their tour this past tour as their one of their encore songs. Um, yeah, that's a great jam. Uh, great song to jam to with, with people. Um, all right, so I'm going to go to my number four. Um, 
again, I'm going to go a little bit uh, off track here, but uh, just an amazing song, and I'm, I want to ask you about it, Steve, because it's uh, so it's called the Well Dressed Guitar, and <laughs> uh, but okay, so it, it, I know it as being from Raptures of the Deep, but I guess it's from the prior album Bananas from those sessions is uh, actually was researching it. I found that out, which I wasn't aware of. Um, that's a total shred fest and you guys have had it in the set for years, which has been awesome. Um, talk about that song a little bit. Okay. When, when we were doing the tour for John Lord's concerto mm -hmm. to supplement the, the concerto, we had people doing a, a, couple songs of their own choosing that had that related somehow we had like Roger yeah. did did uh you know part of the the, the that that um but, butterfly ball yeah butterfly ball thank you mm -hmm. and ronnie james Dio sang with him on that and then ronnie did a, a song of his and luckily i got the experience of, of being in his backup band mm -hmm. for that and i had uh, Dave LaRue and Van Romaine come and help me with an arrangement of Night Meets Light, which okay. was a dregs doom. Mm -hmm. And it was because we had an orchestra. And yeah. Night Meets Light has one bar and six, one bar and seven, one bar. And, it's just constantly changing. And it, it's, a, it's a very difficult tune to do. And I would it would it worked well with Van Romaine because he knew the song inside and out and was helping the the percussionists in the orchestra keep up with the, the, the time changes. And you know, orchestras seem to follow the conductor best in the real legato sections, mm -hmm. but this this was just required counting all the way through. And anyway, it worked with Van there, and then we went on tour, and Van wasn't there because it was he was just there for the Royal Albert Hall performance, which they ended up cutting Night Meets Light because it was too long and <laughs> and and too weird, you know, for for whoever was producing the album, and I forget who was. So I was I was kind of miffed about that since we'd gone to great trouble to do it. Then we got to South America with with the orchestra. It was traveling with us, and it, and it just we did one run through of uh, uh, before the first show, and it it just kind of sucked, you know. It just wasn't <laughs> happening. With without Van there, it it just it, it wasn't working. So I said, "Oh crap, I got to come up with something." <laughs> and I I went back to my room and and you know had an idea of of stuff that I was you know, working on, I always, always practicing something. And sometimes I make little ditty tunes that, that help me practice that, that they're challenging, you know, like the way you do it's classical guitar etudes, they call them, mm -hmm. it's, they're studies made to, to emphasize a certain technique. And this, this was to emphasize the, the alternate picking arpeggio technique. Uh, so I, already had a starting point and so i kind of finished it up and then printed it out using the hotel printer mm -hmm. in in concert pitch for horns and strings and wow. i just kind of passed it out to everybody and it was <laughs> you know 
for them, it wasn't hard. Everybody had, you know, a, a fairly simple part and, and gave it to Don Airy and showed the, the bass part to Roger and in pace just picks it up. You know, that's, that's what he does. Hmm. And it went over, it just seemed like it was working great. You know, let's, let's try this. Let's, let's do this in the concert. And so we did. And I, I was, I was very happy because, you know, by being straight ahead all four time, you know, four, four, nothing else. Right. It was, it was, it was a cinch for the, the conductor and the, the orchestra to, to nail it. And, and, you know, Pacey's super uh, strong in that regard. And he, he knew how to cue them too. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's, that's, that's amazing. That's, that's how it started. <laughs> that's it's, amazing. Cause that is, that does not sound like an easy song <laughs> to just pull off like that. That's amazing. Very cool. Well, in written for a, you know, first chair string players <laughs> is nothing, you know, right. at yeah. that tempo. Right. And, you know, I think the, the guys playing the double bass had the hardest parts was I had them playing in the F section. So <laughs> that was a lot of bowing for them for a long time. So so what made it? It was left off bananas and then you guys uh, decided to put it on like a, I think it was a special edition of Raptor, right? Is that how it came out? I don't even know. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't know it ever came out, but we did. We It was part of a live show for yeah, a long yeah. time. For many years, That's and so cool. yeah, one of my favorites. It wasn't on my list. Thanks for reminding me, make me <laughs> good, making good. me look, and thanks for making me look bad for not there remembering it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's go to your number three then. Let's let's jump in. Okay. Uh, it, this would be Ted the Mechanic. Oh, I love yeah. that. That's yeah. It's it starts with the intro of, of me using a, a a rolling picking technique with thumb and two fingers plucking upwards on the string, but muting it with my left hand and unmuting it for certain accents. Yeah. So it's. It's kind of kind of like the way some some bass players would would play with that slapping and popping technique, mm -hmm. the, the the popping part, mixed with, you know, like the guy from Deliverance playing a banjo roll, <laughs> rolling, thing. Anyway, put that on the guitar, and that's that's the intro, to Ted the Mechanic. And I just love the fact that it's free and, just plain. Rock and roll as getting Dylan. Yeah. When he first heard it, you know, when we 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 were listening down to the take in the studio, he said, "That's F F, that's F off rock and roll, yeah. filling <laughs> filling the F, meaning meaning that's a good thing."
Yeah, so. no, that's it's that's a such a cool tune, and what a great way to open that album with that that thing that you're talking about, that picking thing, and and yeah. uh, just a great live song because it's a killer groove. Um, I, we we got to talk a little bit about you know you joining the band in the first place. So, I mean, a lot of people probably know the story um, that I guess Cetriani was first there for a little bit, but then he didn't want to do it. And then, I, I mean, sort of what's the brief version of, of you joining the band there? Because that was led into this album. Well, they apparently asked everybody in the world and everybody in the world said no. And I was, <laughs> I was literally the last guy on earth. <laughs> Roger had, had seen my trio with Dave LaRue and Van Romaine playing in Orlando they did, they had done the band had done some uh recording in Orlando I think they did Slaves and Masters there around that time and and Roger he he liked it but he, you know obviously we we were playing instrumental fusion whatever with absolutely no care to never worry about whether we we're going to get played on the radio or not but Roger's a very eclectic guy he remembered that. And then after they finished their touring with Joe Satriani and, and you know, wanted to get a, a full-time member, according, the legend in the band is that Roger, Roger suggested me, and Ian Gillen even says that, that he did too at the same time. Because uh, one of the Dregs tunes, Take It Off the Top, was used as the intro to, uh, I think it was Tommy Vance's yep. BBC Three show, Friday and Rock that, Show. Yeah, for like fifteen years or something. So mm -hmm. they they were acquainted with me from that, and Roger had seen the you know seen me play with my band as well, and that you know, that's, but I I think it was Roger, really, and like I said, I was. I was worried because I, I thought, you know, I haven't seen these guys live. You know, I knew that Joe Lynn Turner had been singing with them. And, you know, one, one of my managers in the past was Joe Lynn Turner's, Turner's manager. And uh, so I, I knew a lot about the band and what they were doing, but I hadn't heard them live. And I thought, you know, are these guys just living off their name? You know, or, or is this going to be some lame thing that, that I, I want to disassociate myself from or is going to be great. Who knows? Yeah. So we, we agreed to do those four shows and that, well, before we even did the first show, we were all convinced this is going to work. You know, we, we had great chemistry musically and it turns out we had great chemistry personally. Mm. Yeah. No. And the guy, the band still, still kicks ass today. It's amazing. Um, absolutely. Uh, okay. Jeff, you're number three. You, you're, you're, Steve, you referred there to the Tommy Vance and the Friday Rock show, and I was going to say the two biggest influences on me growing up was that radio show and my friend's brother, and that was our kind of, I think it was on about 9pm on a, on a Friday evening, so even when you were kind of 10 years old, that was, it was sort of a sneaking, sneaking the radio into bed and, and listening to it, uh, classic situation, um, and I have to admit that, I mean, I had no, I had no idea, um, you know, uh, you know, radio shows have, have theme music, but they never say who it is. I never knew what it was, but, <laughs> but and, 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 
you know, if I'd ever heard it, I would have gone, oh yeah, that's the theme to the Friday Rock Show. And it was only years and years later that I discovered it was a, a you know, a proper song on a proper band's album. So it's pretty funny. Um, but, and, and then that, actually that's another one that you did at that time um, with the orchestra as well. Uh, with, with those, uh, that, um, or the concerto tour as well. Oh yeah, that's right. That I, yeah. I totally spaced that. That's what we did. Yeah. I think that I'm, was an Ian Gillen request too. Yeah. And, and I do, I have, I haven't picked it in my list, but I'm, I'm also a, a big, big fan of the, of the concerto. Um, I, I think it's great. And I think that the re-recording, um, the, you know, I think the recordings from that tour and then the re-recording that John Lord did are absolutely fantastic, but that's not my number three. Um, my number three is John Lord related, however, um, because it's Uncommon Man from um, Now What, the 2013 album. Okay. Um, wow. And it's got just an absolutely incredible um, guitar intro, a very, very distinctive Steve Morse intro. And um, yeah. I, again, in, in terms of what you associate with a song, um, I I went to the John Lord tribute concert in the Royal Albert Hall, and that was that was one of the songs that um, you guys played. But but in that situation, with a full orchestra, and there was a huge um, orchestral sort of intro had been added to that in that gig, and it just was absolutely immense. And then obviously the words are, you know, in part um, a tribute. To John Lord, and yeah. it was just—it was just an absolute, um, you know, mind-blowing experience. And so that's—that's one of the songs that whenever I hear it on the album, um, you know, I always think back to to that particular gig and an incredibly diverse night of, from people reading poetry to classical music through to Deep Purple through to Glenn Hughes singing "Burn" with Ian Pace playing drums and. Rick Wakeman and all sorts of stuff. It was a absolutely fantastic night. Yes, it was. <laughs> wow, that's that's a great choice too. Thanks. Yeah. You guys played that live, didn't you? Wasn't that in the set during a, for yeah, that album many, tour? I think was right. Many years, I think, and we still do it. Yeah, that's a great, great choice. Uh, yeah, I forgot about that song. But that's a good one. Um, okay, I'm going to jump in my number three. Uh, so one of the uh, one of my favorite live albums is uh, one I picked up right after Perpendicular came out. It's uh, uh, Live in Olympia. No, mm-hmm. that's one of you guys, oh, yeah. you guys have. And uh, what was cool about that one was I actually discovered a lot of older songs that I I had maybe heard once or wasn't as familiar with you know, some of the classic tunes. Again, not, not the Highway Stars and, and all that stuff. But one of the songs that stuck out to me from that, because I just love the version that you guys did on that, was Pictures of Home. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. And, uh, and so uh, that's my choice for number three. And, of course, from the classic uh, Machine Head record. Um, which is, I love sometimes you look back at 
song listings from old classic albums. And it's just like ridiculous when you, you know, like at, at one period in time, a band wrote all these songs at once, you know, and it's like a greatest hits record or something. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, to be, a, to be su- in such a pocket at that time is, is so cool. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a song I love and, and a song you guys just uh, destroyed live. I think it's great. Somebody shot me up at a mountain Only my own words return Nobody's up there to deception When will I ever die? I'm alone here With emptiness, eagles and snow I'm friendly as a shit on my I, I, I like that song a lot because a very very melodic guitar line in there, yeah. And and you know and always with the organ too. That 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 inner interchange between them is 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 one of the things that attracted me to Deep Purple, the the most. And uh, yeah, it's a great great choice. We still do that live. Yeah. Yeah, it's something about that uh, that opening guitar lick is uh, it just works so well with the way you play guitar. Like, yeah, you have you have such a cool tone to anything you always play, but it just sounds so so strong. I think it's just really cool. I like that. I'm I'm attracted to uh, melodic, uh, you know, solo sounds on yeah. the guitar. I think the thing I love about that song is it's a bit of a it's a bit of a showcase because there's a guitar solo and then a keyboard solo. And there's even a bass guitar solo in it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so every every everybody gets a turn in that track. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, Steve, you're number two. Okay, um, this will be Highway Star. For all the reasons, one, it's a, an iconic song that influenced lots of bands that you know existed later on i think with the the kind of screaming that ian gillen did and the and then also the the neoclassical rock uh organ solo with that just angry intense sound that he got from playing through the marshall And the, the solo starts off simple and then goes to the, you know, the descending um, bass line with, you know, ultimate through, you know, normal classical chord sequence. It, you know, it adds a nice dimension to it. And of course, the guitar solo has melodic. Richie has did, did a lot of melodic uh, guitar solos, which yeah. again, appeals to me. And then, then it goes to that, that, the the little the, the, the fast uh, 16 note yeah part which you know I love because it's just it just it's the power of of uh, I guess playing 16th notes just in itself it it adds something to rock you know you can't do it all the time but it it's it's a neat way to to I guess climax the solo yeah. And, and that's that's one of the the few solos that I 
you know, cop a lot of what Richie did from that. But it, it's so much fun to play live. And, you know, there's it starts with some whammy bar stuff at the beginning. And and then there's technical stuff at the end of the solo. And it's just it's a party from beginning to end. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's an amazing all time classic song. I think it's for me it's the quintessential song. I mean, I know "Smoke on the Water" is always considered the the, the all time classic, but "Highway Star" is so deep purple. I mean, yeah, and uh, and, and that they, that ending with the guitar part, um, the way you play it, I, I just think is tremendous. And uh, that's always a, you're right. It's always a fun song to hear. It it, it never gets old. I lo- there's a brilliant. Um... I think there's there's one of those kind of classic albums documentaries that they made about that. I think where where they kind of go through and they break down the individual bits of the songs. And John Lord shows kind of his hammering through a Marshall amp and that kind of thing. And I I think I, I don't know I didn't even realize you know that that was that was what that was whenever I first heard it. You know, it's just such a, a fantastic sound. And, uh, yes, yeah, the guitar doesn't even come in until like well into the song you know but yet it still absolutely rocks yeah john john was well at don don Airy too but they 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 use the different stops of the hammond and the ability to constantly adjust it i i love that you know no two performances will ever be the same for that reason and and i like doing that with my with my rig where I can change the amount of, of the second amp that I bring in with, with short delay or long delay and, and change the tone and volume controls as I'm playing so that, you know, you never get this exact same thing. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yep. Uh, all right, cool. I'm glad that made the list. So we know that song at least made it cause it had to, yeah. had to be on here. Uh, all right, Jeff, you're number two. Okay. Um, number two, so again, back to my kind of history. <laughs> um, again, the time I was growing up, Deep Purple weren't in existence, but we kind of benefited from having uh, Rainbow, who I loved, White Snake, who I loved, Gillen. Actually, the well, it was Gillen was the name of the band. One of the very first singles I bought was his version of um, Trouble. You know the yeah. Elvis Elvis song, and the guy. Uh, Bernie Torme, who played guitar for him, was absolutely phenomenal, and I think he ended up he ended up played for Aussie for a while as well. Um, I loved that, and and then suddenly, all of those bands basically collapsed because Deep Purple, or at least they they kind of changed because Deep Purple got back together, and everyone wondered what that would be like, um, given all the history and the tension, and they came out with Perfect Strangers which is just an amazing song. And um, 
so that's my pick is perfect strangers um and you know it didn't it didn't instantly sound like you know something that would have been on machine head or something like that it was a it was a new purple sound but yet i think it had brought all of the you know the directions that they had gone to since then and brought it all together and you know you had the keyboard sound you had that eastern um thing you know the sort of this string type section Mm -hmm. and the lyrics which were just you know do you remember remember my name you know what a what a brilliant opening line for yeah for a classic reunion uh, reunion song and again one of those moments when i've seen the band live where it you know it, it, it to me it's one of the songs that and again, I, I, I mean that's very, very respectfully, but it, but it has obtained the stature of, you know, the the, the classic material. I think in in most people's mm. eyes, it's such a good track. Um, so yeah, Perfect Strangers. Um, I'm going to continue with a song from that album and uh, I do love that song but I'm going to, for my number two, I'm going to go with Knocking at Your Back Door from the same record and uh, which uh, I also love I mean, and it has just such a cool melodic chorus in in just a really hard rock song Um, that album's great I mean, it's a, a amazing reunion record and those two songs were just massively popular at the time um i know the band has gone on playing uh perfect strangers mostly in the set forever i don't know that knocking your back door has been in there much has it steve have you guys played that one too well i i continued my campaign of saying you know this set list maybe that works good for europe but for america we need some more songs like Woman for Tokyo and Knocking at Your Back Door. You know, we haven't heard Black Knight and, and, and these other ones like Anya that we were doing. Mm-hmm. So, so we came to start doing per, uh, Knocking at Your Back Door in the U.S. tours. And I, I like it a lot. It's, it's, it's a great feel. One of the things I would say about that is that it, 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 it's a song that sort of highlights um, one of Ian Gillen's kind of uh, clever, perhaps slightly uh, salacious, uh, you know, word word play that he does, and he, he, I mean, I I I think he's a he's a brilliant lyricist because he, is. He, is. he he can do he can do very very serious kind of issue, you know, um, I say issue, you know, you know, songs about serious subject matter, yeah. but he can but he can also do. Um, you know, lyrics with a bit of a, a, a nod and a wink, um, you know, with the, with his wordplay, that's absolutely brilliant. Whereas maybe, you know, there, there are other rock vocalists out there who, who go down the sort of quite corny and, and, and sort of, uh, 
ch- cheesy version of that. Um, and I think it's probably influenced by it's a sort of uh, you know the the, the British again. This might not mean anything to you guys, but sort of British music halls um, were were the sort of the, the mainstream entertainment, but sort of songs that had a sort of slight double meaning for the adults, but you know that that the kids didn't know what they were talking about. And I think that that's <laughs> kind of what. And in fact, having listened to some of these songs whenever I was a 10 year old and now I listen back to them and go, Oh, right. That's what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ian, Ian is a, he's a master wordsmith. And I, I remember one time we were on the plane and Roger and Ian do these cryptic crosswords as yeah. uh, from the UK, you know what I'm talking about, but for yeah. the rest of people, a cryptic crossword is ones where they, they have obscure clues and oftentimes the clue is is referring to something that you know that might sound like the actual yeah. word you you need to print or or maybe a, an alternate meaning of the word but it's never direct like yeah. our american crossword puzzles they 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 say this is you know this is what we want you to give us <laughs> but a cryptic crossword is always obtuse and you have to think yeah. outside the box and so Roger was struggling with this one and they, they, every day they would do the, you know, the, what's the big UK paper, the, the times, the, the times, yeah, yeah. The times they would crossword. do the times, uh, crossword puzzle. Roger was struggling something. He's, and finally he, he, um, carried it up to Ian's row and handed it to him. Mm-hmm. And, I was at the back. For some reason, I was doing radiation checks of the atmosphere because <laughs> I wanted to see what what the cosmic radiation levels were at the altitudes that we were flying at a lot. And, you know, to no one's great surprise, but, you know, I had empirical proof of, of what it was. And <laughs> anyway, so I was in the back of the plane with the Geiger counter because there was a bigger window there. And I look up. And I see, after just a minute or two, I see uh, Ian Gillen come back, kind of smiling, and hands the, the paper to Roger. And Roger, with both fingers raised in the air, <laughs> or both hands, he's giving the middle finger to, to Gillen, shaking his hands furiously. You know. <laughs> but he's frustrated, but but kidding at the same time. You yeah. know? Be- because... Because Gillen got it so quickly, <laughs> and so that's that's he he always writes in with a double entendre and double meanings, and he can t- he can tell you a story about almost any lyric that yeah. that that it involves his his double logic. Yeah. But yeah, and, and Perfect Strangers, he's talking about the reunion, obviously, and how weird it is. Yeah. To to be getting back together. Well, and if anybody wants to look up what knocking at your back door might be about, just Google it. <laughs> oh, knocking at your back door, yeah. <laughs> um, I was talking about perfect stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, but, but both are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
All right, Steve, uh, what's your number one? Uh, I was torn between uh, sometimes I feel like screaming and uncommon men, but I figured since we're still doing, we're still doing both of them actually now, but uncommon man, because of John, I think the connection to John is, is my favorite. And here's why musically it's the first time ever a producer said to a rock band, you guys just jam, just do something and we'll record it for the intro. Mm-hmm. And Don, Don and I are, you know, really listen to each other. And sure enough, yeah. when I, just with no script, no plan, that intro was what we did. It was one take. And I love it for that. And oh, wow. the, the, the horn kind of uh, fanfare lick, doing that with, with double stops on the guitar, it's, it, you know, it's not tremendously difficult, but it's, it's difficult to do it cleanly. And as, as we were doing this and writing it, I, I remember thinking, you know, this, this makes sense musically, but it's, it's the kind of thing that you never hear a rock band do. And, and particularly a guitarist, this it's, it's not a guitaristic type mm. of, of shape or, or anything, but this works great with, with Don's, you know, with his brass sample. And I, I love the fact that we got, you know, our, our sort of unique signature in there. And I love the fact that the, the band tributes it to John Lord, who yeah. really as we say, our, our own beloved John Lord. He was amazing man, amazing musician. Mm. And, you know, he, you, you would love him. Just he, smart, articulate, incredibly well-spoken, uh, amazing player, writer. And he's like, like Roger, he could curate something that was about to die from lack of interest, you know, in a writing session, mm-hmm. he could, he could keep something going. And that's how, that's how we, uh, got, you know, the, the song, I'm, sometimes I feel like screaming was, yeah. I was messing around with the idea. And John said, I think there's something there. And, uh, the producer cool. for now, what was for now, what for uncommon man was Bob Ezrin, right? Yes. That's who you're talking and, about. Yeah. I'd, that's that's to Bob's great credit that he said, "You guys just play, don't worry, just just do whatever." And I just remember when we when we heard that take back, it was like, you know. And Bob again, to his great credit, said, "That's it, you're done." Yeah. <laughs> you're that's done. great. <laughs> that's, well, that's why he's uh, one of the best producers ever ever to do it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's. That seems to have been a, a a relationship with the band and him that has stuck for for a, well the last three albums at least. Yeah, yeah, which is yeah, great. That's great. That's very cool. All right, uh, Jeff, what's your number one? Okay, well, my number one, um, I was trying to decide between a, a number of things, and I decided that if someone picked um, the first track on Machine Head, Highway Star, that then I would pick the last one. Um, so I'm going to pick space trucking. 
we we have a habit steve in these podcasts of um not actually covering the uh probably what is maybe the most distinctive song by the band so when we did one of yeah. queen bohemian rhapsody wasn't picked when we picked when we did kansas <laughs> Nobody picked uh, Wayward Son or Dust in the Wind. And, and I think this will probably be, be be one where we don't pick Smoke in the Water unless Roy has it up his sleeve for the end. But, Wouldn't that but, surprise you if I did? <laughs> but I don't have that written down. But Space Trucking, yeah, you know, uh, you know, a fantastic, fantastic riff. And again, with a lot of these songs, I'm drawn to the Made in Japan. Uh, the live versions were that, you know, the band stretch out a whole lot more. Um yeah. Again, it's got, you know, it, again, it's got one that it's it's starting with that distorted, um, you know, Hammond through the Marshall. It's got a Ian uh, Wordsmith uh, lyric, which again, again, with that with that kind of Dublon Tondra element, and yeah. again, it's it's just a it's a great riff. Again, it was one that as a as a sort of budding guitarist, you you know you could sort of work at the do 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 do. You know it wasn't hugely yeah. difficult to work out um, in the days before guitar tab and being able to watch YouTube videos that taught you these things. Um, and and it it's just a great fun song. Um, so yeah, I really yeah. enjoy it. Our third third song for off Machine Head, which is uh, not mm-hmm. surprising. Um, yeah, another fun song. And Steve, do you remember? Do you remember doing that song uh, with Flying Colors once? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go ahead and jump into my uh, my number one then, and this will save you, Steve, because uh, you were going to pick this song and then you didn't, and so I'm going to pick it, but. Uh, so I'm going to go with Sometimes I Feel Like Screaming, which is absolutely my favorite Deep Purple song. And I just think this is just one of the greatest songs ever. Uh, the the whole guitar melody, the, the, the constant key changing, the soloing at the end, Ian Gillen's screeching on this song is just insane. Um, there's such an emotional power to it. And live, it's just amazing. Um, I love this whole album. Perpendicular is is probably my favorite album by the band and um i mean loosen my string is great cascades is great the aviator is so cool um yeah. just an incredible record all around and uh, uh but sometimes i feel like screaming is just always uh, a standout for me and i love that it's still something you guys play live uh even this many years later i just think watch it the, the harm the harmonics part how you play that thing at the end i just think it's so awesome i think it's amazing <laughs> Thanks. I, yeah, we do a shortened version now, but uh, yeah, I like it for those reasons too. It's it's, a, it's an unusual guitar riff, and I like that. I like having you know that that sort of uniqueness in a song yeah. that that really that fits us and and maybe nobody else. So uh, yeah, I've o- always loved that, and and for some reason the a lot of people in um well in europe they they really like it that because yeah. it it concentrates on you know the, the riff itself is melodic 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, that part at the end where it keeps changing keys. I mean, how does that, I don't know if you remember this, this back from when you were writing that, but it's sort of like the, the last note of the lick becomes the, the first note of the next key into the next part of it. Right. Is that that's sort of how it seems to sound? And so how did, yeah, how did you write that? And it seems like it could have gone on forever. So how, how does that part develop? We just, we just modulated, you know, John and I were, we're just, you know, we, we did it around once or twice. And then, you know, John would just start it a fourth up <laughs> and I, I joined in and say, Hey, that's cool. And we, <laughs> just stuff like that. It's an easy, it, it's an easy modulation. Yeah. But, yeah, but it, just... it got to be too long, I think, for for Pace. He, he lost <laughs> interest in it. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And, uh, well, this was great. I love all the songs we picked. They're all awesome. Uh, great choices all around. Steve, I love picking your brain and hearing these stories. It's a real treat for us, as you can tell. Just huge fans of everything you've, you've done. And um, Well, thank, thanks just... for doing this. And thanks for being so well informed about everything you guys <laughs> that's what we try or try and do and um, when, when does the new album come out steve do you know is that is that no. delayed till later in the year or everything's off schedule so yeah our, our 2020 tour is now 2021 but the album is probably coming out sooner i which i don't know if that makes sense or not but uh, it's what's happening august 7th is what i'm i'm just looking up it looks like august 7th is the, the new album whoosh uh, comes out. There's a couple of videos online to check out. Um, I think you, there's a Flying Colors live album. I think that's coming out as well, which uh, uh, we'll find out about soon. I hope, uh, which you, you can hear Steve on yeah. as well. And uh, hopefully, we get to see you back on the road, man. I guess enjoy the time off while you have it. <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly time off, but <laughs> right. it's, it's definitely time off from touring. <laughs> right. Okay. Hey, Thank well, you. thanks, Thank guys. This, is a, this was a blast. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Thanks, Roy. Thanks, Steve. Yep. Bye. Keep safe. Bye. Bye.